Welcome to the Devotional Toddcast, hosted by Pastor Todd Walker and Crossroads Church in Littleton, New Hampshire. For the Toddcast tonight, I'm going to call this flipping the script. You ever heard that phrase before, flip the script? Another way to say it is turn the tables. Did you ever have to look at something from another angle to see it properly? It's called perspective. You ever had to do that? See something from a different angle and it kind of changes the way you see it? Well, a couple of, in a couple of my sermons, I've kind of railed on the state Iowa. Remember that, Iowa? Yeah. I used to live in Iowa, and I'm not a huge fan of Iowa, and I brought that up from time to time. But if you look at Iowa from another angle, there's, there are some good things about Iowa. You know one of them? They have no tourists. <laughs> Nobody wants to visit Iowa. So there's never a peak foliage season. You can, you can go to all the stores, all the restaurants, whenever you want. Unless you hunt. Unless you hunt? Oh, Iowa. In Iowa. What is Iowa hunt known for? Deer. They got deer? Good deer. Huh? Okay. Well, now you ruined my point. We can all go home, can't Because <laughs> that's the basis for what I'm saying. Anyways, sometimes you look at things from another angle and, and it changes the way you look at it. Well, having eight kids, as we do, we get a lot of strange looks when we go out in public, as you might imagine. In fact, it happens all the time. In fact, I recall one time my family and I went out to breakfast together. And this is actually a pretty funny story. There was a Mennonite family. You guys know what those are, Mennonite, the Mennonite religion? There was a Mennonite family sitting adjacent to us, and they only had five kids. <laughs> and they just stared at us in disbelief the whole time. Like, the whole time. Like, it was so obvious. They just kept looking at us like, what is going on at that table? They were baffled. They were baffled that we had eight kids and seemed to be okay with it. I just remember that being a very funny scene. The amount of weird looks that the walkers get in public is pretty remarkable. Now, I have really have no idea what people are thinking when we walk past them with our huge circus. How wicked healthy you Yeah, maybe. <laughs> All right. Not sure what that means, but we'll discuss it. <laughs> we'll save that for another podcast. <laughs> but it's not a stretch to assume that they're wondering why. Why are any families having eight kids in this day and age? And it's actually a pretty good question that no one's brave enough to really come up and ask us. And I'm going to give you the answer tonight. I'm going to give you the answer why we have eight kids. Here's the answer. We're pretty insecure people. We're pretty lonely people. We need a lot of friends. And so we decided to make our own. Uh, so we have lots of friends, thanks to our kids. Actually, that's only partly true. The real reason is because we love children. We actually do. And we consider the opportunity to have a big family to be a gift of God. We really believe that. Yes, having eight kids is hard. There's, there's no way around it. And it's not for the timid, okay? Especially during germ season. It really is hard. But if you look at our family from another angle, you might get a different perspective. You might be able to see the blessings of having eight kids pretty clearly. Let me give you a few of them, okay? Number one, we're never lonely. The walkers do not face loneliness in our house very often because kids offer us an amazing opportunity to have life and energy and fun spirits always around us. And that's a blessing to my soul, to come home every day and find life. Uh, number two, life is never mundane. When you have eight kids, there's no boredom. Now, they feel bored, but we don't. <laughs> We're often doing fun and creative things together as a family, and we have eight kids who hate boredom, so they're always chasing boredom away. So we have ten minds, ten people in our family always thinking about how to do fun and creative things together. Number three is we get everybody's hand-me-downs. We really do. We rarely have to buy clothes or shoes for our family because everyone donates their used clothing to the Walker Freak Show. 
and we're thankful for that. So please keep doing that. Uh, number four is we laugh all the time. We really do. There's always something hilarious happening at the Walker household because of all the big personalities living under the same roof, and I'm thankful for that humor. Number five, and this might be a little ironic, but we stay youthful and possibly healthy. Living around eight kids keeps our bodies and our minds fresh because we're always using them. They're always active. We do not have a sedentary lifestyle at all in the Walker house. And so that means that uh, our immune systems are like Chuck Norris. <laughs> maybe, maybe they are, maybe they're not. I'm not sure. But I'm going with that theory. Number six is we grow every children's ministry that we go to exponentially. When we came to Crossroads Church, we doubled the attendance. And now we have a flourishing children's ministry, so you're welcome. Uh, number seven is we have a host of kids to take care of us one day when we eventually lose our minds, which is inevitable. So one of those... <laughs> good try. One of those eight better take care of us when we're senile and drooling into a cup. One of those eight kids better take care of us. Now, we might appear, our, our family might, might appear to be freaks to some people in public. It seems that way. But the advantages of having a huge family is pretty clear to the walkers. And I'll even say this. One more reason a huge family is nice is because our best chance at making disciples in this world is by flipping the script on the enemy and his blatant attacks against children in this culture because it's really happening right now. And we get to flip the script on the devil by having eight kids and raising them to be tiny disciples of Jesus who by God's grace will one day turn into godly dads and moms and church leaders. And I consider that a huge privilege. But this podcast is not about having a big family or what size your family should be. That's entirely up to the Lord. This devotional is called Flipping the Script. Flipping the script on our enemy by using the strength in numbers strategy. I'm sure that's a strategy you've heard of. There are strength in numbers, right? I decided to look up a word in the dictionary. It's a word we talked about on Sunday. It's the word isolation. Maybe that's a definition you know, but I looked up the word uh, isolation, and this is the definition it gave me. It says, having minimal contact or little in common with others. Isolation is having minimal contact or little in common with others. Isolation is when you live on your own, either by choice or by the fact that nobody shares the viewpoints that you have about the world. And sadly, isolation is a huge problem in our culture. If our enemy can get us isolated then surely he's smart enough to move us away from our Christian faith because nobody can defeat the devil one-on-one, -on -one, right? Nobody. Nobody earthly. But I also decided to look up an antonym to the word isolation. I just was curious. What is the antonym or the opposite of isolation? And I was surprised by the word that it gave me, the number one antonym for the word isolation. Any guesses? What do you think the, the opposite of the word isolation is? What word would pop in your mind? Any guesses? It's not the one I thought of. Haddon? You know outgoing. the answer? What was that? Outgoing. Outgoing, possibly. Haddon, what was the word? Fellowship. Fellowship. He's right. Did you have the teacher's notes back there? Yeah. No. <laughs> He's right. When I looked up the antonym to the word isolation, it gave me the word fellowship. Isn't that interesting? Fellowship. Then I decided to look up the word fellowship. What does that word mean? It means the friendly association, especially with people who share one's interests. Fellowship. Exactly what we're doing here tonight. Fellowship is the true opposite of isolation. And interestingly, fellowship is also the secret to overcoming our enemy and accomplishing the will of God in this life. Again, fellowship means the association and sharing of one's interests. 
As a question to you, think inwardly, you don't have to answer out loud, who do Christians associate with and share interests with the most? Good answer. Let's answer that question from the perspective of a Walker child. Who do Walker children associate with and share common interests with the most? And the answer, of course, is other Walkers. Their mom, their dad, and their siblings. Our kids fellowship with their dad and mom and siblings because they share our DNA. It's that simple. We find similar things interesting. We have similar personalities, similar senses of humor. We all love the same people, and we share common desires. So our best fellowship is with other walkers. That's just kind of how it's made. So who does the church best fellowship with? And the answer is very similar. We fellowship best with our Heavenly Father and other Christian brothers and sisters. And that's by design. And it's because we have huge things in common. Just as the word fellowship means having things in common, we have at least, that I came up with, four really big things in common with each other. Number one is our need and love for Jesus. Every single Christian in this entire world has a need for Jesus and a love for Jesus. Every one of us. Number two, we have the hope of eternal life. That is a massive thing in common that we share. We have the hope beyond the grave that when we pass from this life, it's not the end, it's the beginning. That's an amazing thing we have in common. Number three is we share the desire to glorify our great God. That's a huge thing to have in common. And number four, we have the same directive to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. Four really big things in common that Christians have with each other. And isolation, sadly, can destroy our faith because the devil is stronger and smarter than everybody in this room. He will relentlessly throw mistruths in our path until we believe those mistruths and we walk away from the Lord. So here's the question for tonight before we close. How do we flip the script on the devil? If isolation is the devil's game, and it is the devil's game, and I've already given the answer, but what antonym would we best use to beat his strategy? Fellowship. That's right. Fellowship. That's how we flip the script on the devil. He wants us to be isolated because I shared this little illustration with my kids last night. We should act it out, but I don't think we should. I didn't prepare them for this, so it might not go right. But last night I, I, I did an illustration with my kids on this very topic, and I said, has anyone been bullied before? Anyone been bullied before? Yeah, I, I have. I think a lot of us have, but sometimes. Um, the strategy for a bully is to get you isolated, right? Take you behind the school and, and beat you up, right? That's the strategy of every bully is to get you isolated one-on-one -on -one because he's big, he's strong, he's scary, and he wants you one-on-one. -on -one. But you can flip the script on the bully by bringing a parent or a teacher or your friends, and suddenly the bully won't really want to deal with you or mess with you. I took that strategy literally. I found the biggest, strongest kid in the school, and I became best friends with him. And the bullies never touched me at that point. So <laughs> it was a great strategy. See, if the enemy wants us to be isolated, we must do whatever possible to never be spiritually isolated. Never. We were just reminded from Psalm 23 that we are sheep and we have a shepherd. Why do you think God told us that? Why do you think God told us that we are a sheep and he is our shepherd? Is it a self-help pep talk to the sheep to go take on the wolves by themselves? Is that what Jesus is doing in Psalm 23? Probably not, right? It's probably a reminder that we need fellowship with our shepherd because he's the only one that can truly protect us from the spiritual wolves. Why do you think the scriptures teach us to spend a lot of time with the church? Is, because, is it because God wants to waste our time by doing things we don't really want to do? Or 
is the Lord seeking to help us flip the script against the enemy who wants us to be isolated. So instead of being weak and susceptible to attacks, we are strong and difficult to lure away. That's the strategy of our Lord. See, the God doesn't just want us safe. Did you know that? He doesn't just want us safe. God wants us to be warriors. That's very clear in Scripture. Be strong and courageous. For the Lord and your God is with you wherever you go. If God only wanted us safe, the moment we trust in Jesus Christ, he takes us to heaven. Right? The moment we're saved, we leave the sin-cursed, sin-stained, dangerous world, and we go to the kingdom of God. If God's only ambition for us was safety, then we never have to struggle here upon the earth. But God wants us to be warriors. He wants us in the battle. Now, he has promised to keep us safe in the battle, but he has also promised that by entering the battle as the church, we can take down the gates of hell. That's a promise he gave to Peter as he instituted the church. Peter, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome you. In other words, Peter, pick up your sword and advance. Go into the battle and I will be with you. And the only way to stay safe and to defeat the devil is to realize our need for togetherness. This is the exact reason we call this gathering tonight, Together for Christ. It's all in this concept of fellowship. Sadly, we experience this. We all experience this. I wasn't here during this time, but during the, the midst of the COVID pandemic, I believe our enemy did a bang-up job at isolating us, isolating the whole world, it, maybe even the whole church, by getting us to believe that we don't need fellowship anymore. What we need more than anything is safety. In fact, some of us, maybe even more than we want to assume, traded fellowship for safety. And guess what happened to the church? It was wounded. It was severed. It was divided. And it was divided by isolation. The devil couldn't do that to us if we all remained together. But when he gets us isolated, just like the bully takes the kid behind the school by himself, he gets us to try to fight him one-on-one. -on -one. And that's a very desirable outcome for the devil. I want to read a passage to you from Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 10. In verse 19, the writer of Hebrews says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the brand new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. Verse 25, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Do you notice it? Fellowship. Not isolation. Fellowship. Togetherness. We must flip the script on our enemy by not only not, not isolating, but by committing ourselves to fellowship, both with our Lord in our daily disciplines and with his church in regular faithful gathering. And maybe I'm preaching to the choir tonight. Maybe we don't all need this since we're here tonight. We're all fellowshipping. We see the need for it. But I'll say this. It's not going to be long before the devil finds a creative way to try to isolate Crossroads Church. And I'll even say the entire church. He's going to try, and he's going to try hard to find creative ways to get us alone, to get us isolated, to get us away from each other, to get us to, 
be bothered by each other, frustrated with each other, and walking away from each other. And he knows exactly what he's doing because his directive is to get us isolated. He'll try to make us busy, sick, tired, frustrated to be around each other, or a combination of all of them. And his directive is very clear. If we isolate them, we destroy them. And our directive is clear from our Lord. If we stay committed to fellowshipping with Jesus and with each other, we can take down the very gates of hell. Not even just defend. We can go on the offense, enter the battle, and take down the gates of hell by fellowshipping with each other and with our Lord. I'm tired. Maybe you guys are as well. I'm tired of seeing Christians eke by with minimal growth because we're so easily isolated. I think it's time we flip the script on our enemy by entering the battle with our Lord leading the way and his church following right behind him. Let's not wait to divide. That is a defeatist attitude. Let's go on the offense for unification and fellowship because when we unify with Jesus, our shepherd, and with the entire flock of sheep, the wolves are going to move on to easier prey. It's a commandment. When we flip the script on isolation and make it our priority to fellowship together, the enemy finds it near impossible to trip us up because we have a huge, strong support system behind us. Lord Jesus, our good shepherd, as you promised in Psalm 23, please prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemies and please follow us with goodness and mercy all the days of our lives for God's glory for the salvation of this world. Fellowship. Thanks for listening to the Devotional Toddcast. Join us for worship Sunday mornings beginning at 1030. Learn more about us at CrossroadsOfLittleton.com. Crossroads Church, seeking to shine the light and love of Jesus in the heart of New England.